I'm Tim, and you're listening to the New Life at Home podcast. My guest this episode is our mission partner, Sil Ruddle, who's serving Christ in Benin. Sil shares how God is using her there, the impact of COVID on mission projects, and what it takes to translate the Bible into another language. Well, welcome, Sil, to the podcast for this week. I think it's episode 15 or 16. I'm not sure I've lost track. How are you going, Sil? I'm well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for the invite. No worries. It's a pleasure. So at the moment, it's morning time for you. It's evening for me here. We're recording this on Thursday night, my time. What's your normal morning routine? Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm usually up quite early. Um, sometimes that's just because I hear the local mosques and then you're just sort of awake. I, there's probably an ideal morning routine and what happens in reality, but maybe that just paints me as human. Um, I do tend to <laughs> like exercise, but recently I haven't been so good at being regular at that. Um, and then I make breakfast and have a bit of a quiet time. Um, and usually I'm off to the office by about sort of quarter to eight. So we, uh, my office is about a 10 minute drive away from where I live. And so we gather for morning prayers between sort of eight and eight thirty, And then, um, I sort of get into a, a routine in the office. So that's the very early morning routine. Okay. So what are, what are we interrupting right now? Oh, today's a bit special. I'm actually working from home, so that doesn't happen often, but there's just a couple of things I need to get done, and home means no interruptions. So um, it's about quarter to 11 in the morning, um, so it's been good. I, and Plus, I, I need to travel this weekend, so I'm just trying to, to be good, to create some space in the middle of the week for some rest too. Excellent. Uh, Sil, you're um, serving in Benin in West Africa. Can you describe Benin for us in three words? I know it's hard. You've probably got many more that you could use, but three words. It is hard. I find a word and I want to explain it. Um, I probably would say a melting pot in terms of people groups, developing country. <laughs> and in terms of people, uh, I, like they're just they're lively in the sense that I just love people's joy. And um, but that's not three words, sorry. Oh, that's more. That's okay. It just shows. It just shows how much you're connected to people there, and how much you love it. I reckon. Yeah. Um, what's something? What's something about Benin that we we in Australia maybe wouldn't know? I think often it's, and that's why I said melting pot because it's such. I mean, French is the official language, um, yeah. but there's fifty ethnic groups, so. Um, yeah, no matter where you go, there's always different languages being spoken. Um, but I think what I love about that in Benin in particular is people do get on very well. Like there's not a lot of, I mean, there's always that little bit of tension, a bit like, you know, a Melbourne, <laughs> Sydney thing, but um, people on the whole live very peacefully, especially in the bigger cities, um, but maintain their own ethnic identity. That's still important. Um, I, like it's been lovely to try and, you know, just understand a little bit more some of their ethnic heritage and you know the difference between some of the people groups and um, just live with that that nice mix yeah wow sounds like a um, real privilege getting to know different you know, kinds of people and seeing uh, different cultures kind of relate and interact together how long have you been there now Sil? 
Yeah, I arrived in Benin in 2012. I th actually, I just had my eight-year anniversary, I think. So, wow, that was, yeah, it's amazing. Very good. Well, you were, you were in Australia last year. Um, you, I remember you visiting New Life and getting to see you. You visited some of our small groups. I'm sure uh, many of you listening will remember that. Um, oh, I hope so. But it was, <laughs> I had home last year and I've been back in Benin now almost a year. Um, or left Australia last October. Uh, help us to understand your ministry in Benin. Uh, how is the Lord using you there? How are you seeking to serve Christ? So officially, uh, my title is Projects Coordinator. Uh, and so in that role, it's very much a support role for a number of the different ministries that we're involved in. So um, helping uh, sort of develop ministries, help run these ministries. And a lot of when we say project, that means just a ministry that often relies on international funding. So for us in Benin, some of our big ministries are Bible translation. We have a big radio ministry with all the different languages in Benin. We um, produce messages in a local studio and then air them on local stations with Christian messages. Um, we're also involved in supporting some Bible schools. And often a lot of that is done in partnership with um, just a, a local church called the well, denomination called the UEB or the Union of Evangelical Churches in Benin. Sorry, that's a truck going by. I'm sorry about the background. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Just makes, it, just makes it more real. That's all right. There'll be a few roosters soon probably. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so Sim has a long history in Benin. We first came in in 1946. So during that time, we've been involved in planting a church and building up a church, well, and working closely with the UEB. But they're now independent, but a lot of our work still does happen through the UEB and their network of churches. Uh, so that's officially, this year has looked very different. Um, mm. So I write October and usually there's three people in our office covering about four roles, our director, treasurer, um, but within a month um, our director who we knew was going on home assignment but she had to leave early because her um, father wasn't well and so she had to rush home to be to be with her family and then unexpectedly our treasurer and his family had to leave about six months early as well. They mm. did have a home assignment this year. So that's meant I've been left alone, in, well not so alone because we do have local staff which are a great support but in terms of the sim worker in the office, the only one. So um, I've been acting as a doctor since about last December and though thankfully both Lee and Clara have still been a good support from online but it's looked very different for me um, mm. and that was even before COVID and then COVID came which has meant a lot more people have been restricted from coming back. Um, that's been a challenge because most of a number of our ministries continue to run and local staff look after that, but it just means, um, yeah, there's been more responsibility on my shoulders this year in terms of just caring for people, managing our team through current COVID um, pandemic and, yeah, just trying to keep things going. But um, God has been faithful and um, people are starting to come back now, which is lovely. We've got a few people coming back month and um, our real director hopefully will be back in October. And what are you looking forward to most about uh, people coming back while you're at the moment juggling all these balls trying not to drop any? Yeah a few have been dropped I will admit that but I'm hopefully oh, not. That's, 
totally okay. <laughs> um, yeah, just in many ways. Like once we're down to one person, like ministries continue and there's been some really encouraging things that have still happened this year, but it's it becomes very reactive. You lose that capacity to be thinking through, we know this isn't working well, we know we want to be investing in our local church and trying to build their capacity and thinking through how we can be doing that well together. But you just lose time to be able to do that and you just don't have that space. So that that frustrates me. As someone that loves that sort of strategic thinking and, I mean, how, mm. you know, here and we're here to yeah. um, church and really... Um, Want to continue to encourage our church to be looking outward to the people groups in Benin that um, are, you know living and dying without Christ. Mm. Um, but you just get the chance to do that, and that's been frustrating for me this year. It's just reality that when things don't work well, and you know you just got to say recognize that, and then just put them on the back burner to say let's wait for people to come back until we can have time mm. to start trying to address that. Yeah, that strategic thinking, that being able to see what, what needs to be done. And it sounds like, Sil, you're someone who does see um, bits and pieces that need to be tied together and working in harmony. And it sounds like it'd be hard to kind of watch all that without the manpower to kind of do, do everything that you could if everyone was there. Yeah, no, that summarises it well, so... Well, one of the uh, projects that you've been involved with, Seal, is the Yom translation. And it's taken 70 years. Well, you haven't been working on it for 70 years, of course, Seal, but it's taken 70 years from when it began to um, being finished now. Um, is that something exciting for you that this Bible, this uh, Yom Bible is ready to be distributed? Yeah, oh, look, it's absolutely fantastic news. It's been such an encouragement. Um, I'm trying to even think where to begin. Um, but <laughs> it just and so it's all very fresh for us at the moment. Um, I travelled mm. to two, two hours away, which is sort of the main town where majority of the Yom people are based. Um, COVID stopped us doing a big uh, launch uh, and a, a dedication, which they were planning for, you know, over a 1,000 people. But we had just a small ceremony with some of the local pastors. Um, obviously, Sim was invited, the UEB church, just to... They were calling it the launch of the sale of this, the Yom Bible because they would still like to have a dedication. But just a, a service full of thanksgiving that we'd arrived at this point. Like, I will remember that occasion for the rest of my life. It was just such a joy to be part of just seeing a people group receive the Bible in their own language for the first time. Um, wow. Often... Translations don't take 70 years, but um, <laughs> way back in 1951, the first um, Sim missionary arrived to start learning the Yom language um, for various reasons. I mean, even back in 51, there was no written alphabet, nothing. So you're learning the language, you're working mm. with the people group, put an alphabet together and start the translation. You've got to remember back then, no computers. It was all sort of typewriters or chalkboards um, yeah. in some way. And uh, one of the big challenges in Benin is um, it's very much an oral culture. So at various stages over the last 70 years, that team sort of stopped the translation work to just work, focus on literacy for a while. Mm. And even the first person that started learning Yom ended up sort of being um, one of the most experienced language learners in Benin. So he kept on getting pulled off into other language groups to help them develop alphabets at that time as well. We've been involved in a number of different translations. So that's 
um, sort of pushed the process out a bit. We sort of discovered in the end that our team didn't have a finisher. Like we just sort of had all these wonderful people working on the translation, but they were a bit too perfectionist, if I could say that. Often just with a translate translation project, I think you need to get to the point of just, this is good enough, enough's enough. We need to get this out into the hands yeah. of people. Um, we printed 4,000 copies. It was printed in South Korea. We've been watching it on a ship for about the last three months. Eventually, early August, it arrived in our port. Um, so it's just fantastic to just feel that Bible. Wow. It sounds like there's so many people over so many years, some of which would have known each other, some that haven't, that have worked on it uh, in different ways and at different times. Clearly, it's not just something you can kind of do in a couple of weeks. Were there particular hurdles along the way? I think you mentioned um, a few of them, one of them being um, just that the danger of becoming too perfectionistic. Certainly. And another one, we've got two other translations that are, um, are nearing the end. Mokalay is about to start the typesetting process. And yep. I've just been really involved in the last couple of months of um, renewing our Fulani translation project for the final four years. Mm. But one of the process with translation, the team will do a draft and then they'll test that in the community, like get people to back translate often into French. And then once they've completed a book, a Bible translation consultant will come in and do a checking, a proper checking session with the team. Um, and mm. we've got very number of those Bible translation consultants um, one of our YOM translators is actually qualified as a consultant, but he was often pulled off to help with other teams. Um, and we have one other that's Beninese trained, but often that's the bottleneck with a lot of these translation projects is getting that expertise in um, to be able to completely finish each of the books. So, Yeah, I guess because it's God's word that's uh, being translated, you want to get the message across accurately and, you know, helpfully. Um, you don't want to kind of obscure the meaning or yeah and I, I don't want to be too too critical of that perfectionist like because we are handling god's word and you you want the meaning to come across um mm. as well sorry another truck <laughs> oh, i like the trucks that's all maybe maybe they've got some yom bibles in the back i don't know <laughs> who knows well what why is it worth it why is it worth spending 70 years of painstaking work, getting it done. Yeah, so true. Because it's God's word and for these these people, I think, um, I mean, first and foremost, we want people to be engaging with God's word. I think it's how he encourages us through his word, corrects us, teaches us. Um, and, um, you know, that, that's first and foremost. But even in Benin, um, we've, Sim over many years has had a, a big focus on putting a priority on, on a lot of the local languages. So we've, we've been involved in Bible translation work. The UEB is actually sort of divided across their 10 language groups. A lot of the services continue to be in both French and the local language. And I mean, no guarantee that SIM or any external organisation will, will be in Benin for, forever. Um, even neighbouring mm. countries at the moment, especially Burkina Faso, a lot of the um, foreigners have had to leave. There's lots of security issues in Burkina at the moment. Um, and it's the local church that is going to be left here is really responsible for, um, you know, the discipling and growing. And we really want 
an in, indigenous church. Um, it's not our church, it's theirs. Mm. Um, be able to leave them with God's word in their heart language it just is such a foundation for the future. And even as we look at um, perhaps how Islam has come into Benin and through the north of Benin, it's often the people groups that have God's word or, or um, in their own heart language that are able to stand up more to persecution and whatever the future might hold. So, yeah, that's mm. a big part of the driver for us, uh, just to mm. want to people engage personally in God's word. And once you have it in written form, I mean, we're conscious as well. It is an oral, um, an oral culture. For the young, the Bible is it in terms of virtually literature in their own language. So that makes it special mm. to them. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're quite focused on doing audio versions as well. The, we, so we've done an audio version of the Yom New Testament um, and yep. we'll probably work towards that with the Old Testament just so people have different ways of being able to engage mm. with God's Word for those that, especially the older generations that um, you know, don't grow up with books and, and reading. Mm. And, well, that's fantastic news, Seal, that that's uh, been completed and you've, you're in Benin at the time that it has been finished and is going to go out. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's been very special. Well, thanks so much, Sil, for coming on the podcast for this week. How, how was it? Did you enjoy it? I, I survived. I, you know, it was good. It's nice to catch up. <laughs> um, greetings to everyone. It's lovely to yeah, be part of it. Thanks for listening to this episode of New Life at Home with Sil Ruddle in Benin. Next week, Mike Adams is coming on the podcast. Mike's the pastor of Goulburn Presbyterian Church, and he's going to share about New Life's partnership with Goulburn, how his family has settled into life in Goulburn, and what the ministry has looked like for them.